Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Good morning and welcome to McNamara on Money. I'm Kirk Reed, a certified financial planner professional with McNamara Financial in Marshfield, Massachusetts. This is a financial talk radio show for people who want to get all areas of their financial life in order, get their kids through college, and live comfortably in retirement. On this show, we will be talking about a wide variety of financial topics. You have to make many important decisions in your life that have to do with money, investments, insurance, mortgages, taxes, estate planning, living your life within your means, and retirement. Our goal is to help you with all of these. We also have lots of great information on our show's website, McNamaraOnMoney.com. You can download podcasts, watch videos, or browse our abundance of written articles on topics related to personal finance. And as always, to find out more about our practice, visit McNamaraFinancial.com. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Um, joined this morning by Sharon McNamara and Mary Baker of Boston Connect Real Estate. We're talking real estate this morning and the crazy things happening in that world right now. I'm also joined uh, by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, and several children there in the background. <laughs> so apologies for the uh, noise. <laughs> That's why we have a podcast editor who's like edit- edits out all that stuff. But actually, I didn't hear them. Were you on mute? We were yeah. Oh, okay. Well, they're very... We just saw it and imagined. Yeah, yeah. They're probably still in the room. I just can't see them well, at the moment. Well, they, they are very good about ne- when to negotiate uh, computer time. Yeah. <laughs> they have a whole lot of leverage right now. Yeah, they know you're not really listening to them or supervising, so... Well, I need to get them out of here ASAP, and if that's what works... Well, they need work. to put their laundry away first. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Uh, All right. Always will be the mom. Um, okay, so we're ta- Kirk. You had a whole bunch of questions for uh, Sharon and Mary about real estate. So fire away. Just a couple, a couple. Um, you know, we were talking about you know inspections and things before the break mm-hmm. there, and I was just kind of curious, like, you know, you hire this inspection company to come out and you know work on your behalf, and you know what happens if you buy the house and then something gigantic comes up that the inspector missed? Like, what is there any recourse there or no? Unfortunately, there is. Um, there typically is not. So I, I mean, I'm not no expert in what that what that looks like. We do have a form. It's called Facts for Consumers. Um, that is supposed to accompany every offer that buyers have to sign off on. Well, they don't have to, but they should be signing off on it in case something like that did happen. They can go to the state and file a complaint against said home inspector. However, typically with um, with your home inspections, you're gonna sign a whole bunch of waivers at the very end that say, I can't see through walls, I couldn't inspect this, I mm-hmm. you know, you hold me harmless from any liability based off of, you know, things that I would not know or cannot control. You know, even when there's snow on the roof, I can't inspect the roof mm-hmm. thoroughly. Yeah. There's there's just things that are out of my realm of control. Can't check the AC during this time. They don't check pool pumps, they don't do mm-hmm. all that stuff. Can't look at pools right now. You know, can't see a lot of the roofs. What you were saying, foundations, when we have a lot of snow, are difficult to see as well. So the home inspectors, that's why I say just hire a very, very good home inspector. You know, don't don't, don't leave it up to chance. That isn't <laughs> something that, you, you know, during this process, I mean, we have a team of people that we work with. It's, you know, and the people that we refer, the people that I would use myself. So we use a manual EBOT. Um, we do with at Styles, and we mm-hmm. use Styles and Ben over there. So their office is great. Uh, we use Steve Cook from Imperial Inspection Services. He's wonderful. You know, you want to make sure that it may cost you a little bit more money to do that radon test, but just do the radon test. You know, you don't want a surprise later. I feel like absolutely. we absolutely. Have- I'm I'm certainly uh, advocating for getting an inspection. Just kind of curious. Yeah, if, you know what the back end would look like if something ever came up. Yeah. Generally nothing. Yeah. You know, the other thing, Kirk, is like what is sometimes frustrating too is, and it's an exciting time. We understand that. But a lot of times, you know, we'll be there. Steve is walking around and then, you know, the buyers are measuring for curtains. It, you know what I mean? It's like, well, no, because even the inspection itself, it is, it is to tell you what is, you know, going on with the house. Is this something that has to be done now? Is this something that has to be done maybe in five years or 10 years? He's giving you good tips about, hey, you should be changing out the filter in your forced hot air 
heating system every six months. And, you know, this is where your water shut off is. So he's giving you a lot of information, but there's so many times, and, and I'm going to say it out loud, sometimes like the parents come. Mm. And, it's, it's a distraction. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand how much houses are selling for right now. So they're looking around, they're like, are you kidding that you actually are paying this much money for this house? You know, so that's a distraction as well. And yeah. you just really have to be paying attention to your home inspector. Sure. Um, you know, reg- regarding the markets the way they are now and, you know, things moving so quickly. And and I, I know this is like, you know, people ask us for, you know, prognostications and things about the, you know, the financial markets. But I mean, do you have any guess how long, you know, how long this goes for? I mean, if, if somebody's like on the fence about, you know, listing their house, I mean, and they feel like they're, you know, they feel like there's, oh, there's this push to get it on soon because the market's so hot. I mean, do you have any thought or reaction to that as far as, you know, how, how long does this market go for? <clears throat> That's a good question. I'm, I'm thinking in my head. I would say yeah. do it, list it. Market's good. Take advantage, yeah. do it. <laughs> That's what I said. That's how I feel. Yeah. It's just like, well, I know what it is right now. Yeah, we don't you know. know. Yeah. And this was an easy question for me to answer last year because I was like, all right, well, we're in an election year. So things, you know, you never know which way things are going to go. So I sort of look at what is ahead. And I feel right now things will, I think that we're going to have see a lot more confidence in sellers selling their homes based on lifting some of these COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. People getting, you know, a that's vaccine. the other thing too, getting vac- yeah. vaccinated, you know, that older group that may be the ones that are in the four bedroom colonials. Because if you, we're in this like funnel that is just clogged right now. So we have first time home buyers that want to be in that first home. That's let's just say a one level ranch. And they can't get in there because the person that's in the one level ranch really wants that four bedroom colonial or the Cape. And they can't get in there because those people right now are staying sort of put because they're working at home and they need, even if the kids aren't Mm. there, they're the baby boomers or whatever generation they are. The kids are no longer there. They're empty nesters. Now they're using Johnny's room as an office and she's using Sally's room as an office. So they're not going anywhere. I I feel, I just feel like, like really big picture, right? I just feel like this is more often the case than not where it's a seller's market. And if you think about it, that's probably the way, like, you mean, if we go back decades, right? It's probably Mm -hmm. more often than not less inventory than what people need, which drives prices up, which is kind of the way that like, if you think about it, really everybody would want the real estate market to be. You want the real estate market over time to go up. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants that, except the people that have never owned a home and they're first time home buyers. They don't want that. But everybody mm-hmm. else wants the real estate market to just go up over time. It just mm-hmm. seems like this is more, this is like the norm, right? I feel like sometimes when there's, you know, there's all this buzz about low inventory in the in the hot real estate market, but doesn't it seem like this is almost always the case other than, you know, coming out of the great recession, uh, the, you know, the credit crisis there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you, I mean, if, you know, I was doing a little bit of research and you can go back to like the world wars, right? And, and then yeah. there was a real estate downturn there, but it's just kind of like the norm, mm-hmm. right? And, and will this be the norm, you know? Well, and I do think, you know, we sort of see the same sort of fluctuations as you do. It's it's generally like every 10 years we're seeing it go like that. Um, but until we can get and this is the other problem. We really need some new construction in order to sort of push people along. I mean, the people in the ranch is the chicken or the egg, right? Well, we can't sell because no one above, like we have no place to go. And even if you think about the the people in the four bedroom colonials, the older generation or demographic, I meant to say, because uh, that's where I would fall, they would maybe want the ranch. You know, a yeah. lot of people want that small ranch and yeah. they, they, but no one's moving anywhere. So what's been helping is the new construction, yeah. but new construction is falling into a lot. And I actually reached out on Tuesday, I reached out to our builder uh, from Stonebridge Homes and I asked him, what, are, what, what is he seeing? And it, right now to build the same house, the lumber cost alone is $32,000 more. I've heard that lumber has gone up significantly. Yeah. It is yeah. crazy. So, and then also, I mean, they're in a, you know, Stonebridge is in a very, very good position because they are, you know, they're a medium company. Mm-hmm. They're not large like Toll Brothers and they're not small like a, a onesie twosie guy. 
but they have contractors that are very committed to them. So they have those contractors, but the onesie twosie guys, they're having a hard time getting the contractors. Mm. And, and what's trickling from that is for the homeowners like Mark for having a plumbing company, Mac Mara plumbing. Um, he's have like, he has so much service work right now because mm. he does a lot of the, you know, a lot of stuff for Jack Mitchell down in Hull. So all of that, you know, the renovations and new construction there. But since everybody is the the tradesmen are, and women are so busy that they can't even get out to like fix somebody's toilet. Mm. It's and, and what they're charging, Mark is horrified to see, I won't say one company in particular on the air, of course, but he could not believe what this company was charging this person to do something at the house where it was like $2,500 and Mark's like, literally it's going to cost me like 600 bucks. 600, mm. it's going to cost you 600. Yeah. yeah. So watch out for that stuff. Yeah. Of course. It's the same thing. Supply and demand. You don't have 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 a high demand for tradesmen and you don't have enough of them. Yeah. (laughs) In the the world of real estate, I I almost feel like this is the, maybe not to the extreme that it is right now with such low inventory and so many buyers, but Mm -hmm. I feel like that's sort of the way that it should be most of the time where there's a little bit less inventory than we need, which keeps prices kind of slowly going up. I mean, that's good for the economy. That's good for homeowners because, you know, for, for almost every homeowner out there, your house either already is or will be one of your largest assets. And we want that to appreciate over time, right? We don't want so much inventory and so much building that home prices start to fall, at least for a long period of time. I just think it's funny because like, you know, Kirk, you know, we hear, you know, on the, on the, you know, in the financial news and we hear people talk about, they're so nervous that the market is at an all time high. Of course, not this week, but, but, you know, you know, recent past, right there, the market's at an all time high. It's like the media like portrays it as such a bad thing when the market's at an all-time high and scares people, the market should be at an all-time high, like almost all the time. That's why people invest money because we mm-hmm. want the market to go up over time. If it was never at an all-time high, people wouldn't really be making money, investing their money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, dividends and interest, all that, of course. But it's just, I, I feel like it's almost the same with real estate, right? We're, we're in this, you know, and again, maybe right now it's a little bit extreme, mm. but I feel like there, it, it, it sort of should always be a seller's market, right? Because that's good for the economy and good for the value of people's homes um, mm-hmm. over time. But it's just, it's, I think it's just, it's just funny because sometimes the media portrays it as, um, as a, as a bad thing. And, you mm-hmm. know, really it's only bad for like those first time home buyers because they don't have that asset that is, you know, appreciating, mm-hmm. hopefully anyway. But I mean, this would be in your hands for, for one of the things I'm thinking about as you're saying this is, so think about the people who are retired and they're selling their house and they're really not investing that money back into the economy. You know what I mean? So is like being at this height now, is that really good? Because now the buyer emotionally paid and it's going to take them. That's what we're going to see, by the way, we're going to see people in their houses longer than we did previously because they're paying more. So they're staying there more in order to earn back that equity. I mean, remember I'm listing a house. This is where I feel the value is. You chose to go. We a house in Pembroke just sold a hundred thousand dollars over asking. A hundred thousand well, dollars. What was the price? What was the price at? Was this like a one point five no, million was, dollars house? Or? Well, no. So it, it's sold now. So it was priced yeah. at seven fifty. Yep. And it sold for eight fifty. Think about that. That's how somebody wanted to be in the town and that's what they were willing to pay in order yeah. to get that house. So how long does that person have to be in that house? in order to get that extra $100,000 equity back. So people will end up staying in their houses longer is one of the things I'm predicting. Yeah. Buyers yeah. who are buying now. Well, yeah, okay. I, 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 and I feel like when you're purchasing a piece of real estate, you should intend to be there for several several years, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it's it's similar to investing in the markets where you shouldn't you know, invest your money in, e- even in like a balanced, you know, moderate portfolio if you're not intending to have that money invested for several, several years. I th- it seems mm-hmm. to me that it should be the same with real estate because, yeah, it, because it, real estate doesn't go up forever and you never really know where you are in the cycle when you're purchasing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems to me like people should sort of always go into it like that. Is that not always the case? Do people kind of go in and like, oh, I'll just sell it in a few years? Is that? Uh, well, I you think if you, yeah, if you timed the market right, you could, um, 
a couple years ago, I would say you could have been in something and obviously say you even purchased high three years ago, you're selling at a high now. But it, the conversation used to be, all right, is this the three-year house? Is this my starter house? Yeah. Is this the house I'm going to be in for, you know, until I find my significant other and, and mm-hmm. we move on? Now it's more, this is the 10 to 15 to 20-year house. Yeah. The more, even first-time home buyers are buying the forever house before they do the starter house. Yep. But like because of low interest rates and everything. Okay, because too. of low interest rates. But you were just saying like a couple years ago someone could have bought a house and now sold it for quite a profit, right? But mm-hmm. but did you know but you didn't know that at the time because you never mm-hmm. know where you are in the cycle at the time. You're, you you yeah. can't be like, no, "Oh, I'm going to be able to sell." You can't know that you'll be able to sell it in 2 or 3 years for, you know, a mm-hmm. certain profit, right? You just you never that's what I mean by you shouldn't go into these, I don't think you should go into yeah. a real estate deal, right? Thinking that it's going to be very short term. If you're doing yeah. that, you should be renting, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Well, short term too is, so when I'm saying longer, the average was between seven and 10 years. Yeah. So I feel like we're going to see longer than that. Yeah. So like, how long were you in your condo for? <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking. Touche, no. Sharon. Touche. I forgot I even owned that condo. <laughs> I was like, what condo? <laughs> That's how short it was. Uh, listen, okay. I, uh, worst. All right. Eric, how long were you guys in Norwell? I am the worst example. <laughs> Eric, how long were you guys in Norwell? So we, we've seven. We've sold, we've sold three pieces of real estate in our lifetime. We have lost money three times. That is not true. Oh my God. That is so not true. I did not lose money on my condo. And we, oh, we 100% lost money on Norwell. But um, I didn't lose money on my condo. Mm-hmm. Okay. It appreciated by real estate commission. I broke even. Okay, so but, you said that you lost but, money. But I didn't go, but I didn't buy that condo thinking I was going to sell it a year later. I didn't go into that being like, oh, I'm just going to be here for like a year and then I'll sell. That I mean, you know, things change and life changes and things happen, but... Let's go back to Norwell for a second. Oh, do we so have you, to? That was such a cute house. No, 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 that house is so is, cute. But, yeah. Okay, so you said that you <sighs> lost money on Norwell, but then you purchased Marshfield. Right, right. So what is the, how much right. equity do you have in that house right Yeah, now? a lot. Yeah, a lot. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we're not selling it. <laughs> well, you sort of made up for it is what I'm trying to make you feel. No, it, it'll go, by the time we sell yeah. it, it'll go down. That's no, that's not true. I won't let you do that. <laughs> Even if it goes down in the short term, it'll come how much back. Equ- how, how much equity do, we, equity do we have in Marshfield? How much money have we put into Marshfield? Yes, that's <laughs> the thing. Probably you put your equity much. back into it. So that's good. That's all good things because you're there long term. I mean, the girls yeah. will be doing proms and... <laughs> weddings and everything else, oh, you know, so. Stop that. Uh, no, they're never getting older. Stop that. No. <laughs> okay. Kirk, did you have more questions for yeah. us? Because I know. I forget where we were in that conversation. Uh, I'm sure I did. Uh, One thing I want to mention, though, is I love how passionate Alyssa seems when she's on the show, like when I'm on the show with her, like she just like is so I'm always like hands flying. I know. Up. <laughs> I know. I inherited that from my dad because whenever he has like, uh, any sort of conversation, his arms are like flying up in the air, <laughs> like you know, a primate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I know I I was on the Dr. Joe show not long ago on WETD actually, and Dr. Uh-huh. Joe was like, "You're really passionate when you talk about work," and I was like, "Well, yeah, I should be, right? This is what I do every day, and I do love it." Yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I tr- sometimes and it's funny on the Zoom because you know even though I try to look at everybody else, you always like end up looking at yourself, and I. Can can see my hands flying around, but I can't really control like, them. I can't control this? them. Ah. <laughs> I wonder if I do that in meetings with people. I must probably just. Probably. I notice anyway. when I wave my hands a lot. I go, I'm not even the least bit Italian. I'm like the least bit Italian, but for some reason, I do this a lot. When yeah. I, <laughs> I can see that Hi. now, Mary. I can see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kirk. What other questions did you have? Or we could we could go into other. Um, you know, I, I wanted to. Well, we sort of already touched on, is this a bubble? I, I don't I don't necessarily think we're in a bubble either. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, you know, interest rates are going to be low for a long time. Um, you know, like I just, I think that be, so many people were able to refinance at mm. such a low interest rate. I mean, I was hearing, you know, 2.2s and 2.3s, you know, on a refinance and, you know, under threes for sure. And like, you know, as interest rates, mm-hmm. mortgage rates have already ticked upward a little bit, right? And as interest rates tick up, yeah. 
how are those people like ever going to move? I mean, you're just you, you're in that property for for mm-hmm. such an inexpensive you know uh, cost to cost to carry that mortgage. And I don't know. I just I think that will help keep inventory low like for a long time. Um, I agree with that. Too. I don't know. I just it's mm-hmm. it's hard for me to imagine. I mean, I think things are super hot right now, and maybe they'll cool down, but. Some of the conversations I'm having right now with people who are considering selling is, so I remember specifically going to somebody's house probably the end of last year and they're busting at the seams. They want to, you know, increase the size of their home. So what their thoughts are, all right, do we sell this? Because we know we're going to get a very good price. But then where do we go? I mean, they have a couple options. They're not committed to one town. But then, or do we refinance and just put an addition on this house and stay right where we are. And a lot of people are doing that cash out refi and Mm -hmm. putting an addition on their house and just staying where they are. Again, another contributing factor to why we have such low inventory. Like you said, rates are low, people are refinancing. Why would I ever leave if I'm paying 2.5%? Yeah. Yeah. Mary, can you talk a little bit about, because the interest rate's going up, you know, if it goes up a point, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but some of these buyers are really stretching themselves just to get into the house. Mm-hmm. So that one point could make a very big difference yeah, sure. in their mortgage, sure. two to $300. Yeah, yeah, it's, it certainly does. I know um, we work with a lot of first-time home buyers and they tend to be the ones who, if the interest rates start to creep up, it does greatly impact what they can afford. Um, But there's there's a whole other demographic. We have two, in my opinion, we have two competing demographics of of buyers right now. So you have your first time home buyers and then you have your right sizers um, kind of looking for the same thing. They're looking to downsize. It's the middle people that we need. Um, And the ones who are looking to downsize usually have the healthier down payments beating out the first time home buyers, pushing the first time home buyers then to potentially Potentially, if they want to, a young couple who maybe is expecting a baby can't wait for that how that perfect house to come along. As the interest rates tick up, mm. they might force them into the, it. Might force them into the rental market um, okay. in the interim. Yeah, while they wait for things to stabilize in a sense for them. Does or, that make sense? or force them into something that they don't really want. Those are the people that are probably going into it thinking, "Well, I don't yeah. really love this house, but it's good for now, and we're going to be out of here in a few years." And that's scary to think about especially when you're buying in a hot market like this. And that's exactly what I was just writing as you were talking, because I didn't want to forget that. I mean, one of the things that we're seeing is, let's just say that you're, you know, what you can afford is $400,000 and you're looking at $400,000 houses. Now you're being bid out of that by other people who can put fifty thousand dollars you know over or whatever who can actually afford 450 who can afford 450 so what we're seeing is that the buyer's agents are recommending i know you can afford 400 but if you want your offer to get accepted i say we look at a house that's 350 and then you overbid on it yeah yeah it's i'm starting to get nervous like thinking about these people that are you know buying stuff that they can't really afford and they're they have to reduce their 401k contributions and they can't start saving for that baby's (laughs) college education i'm starting to get like real nervous for all these people but can you talk about that a little bit I mean, what are your suggestions to, you know, to people who are thinking about doing that? I mean, because- I can, but we have to take a break. So let's okay. let's talk about that um, as soon Afterwards. as we get back. So, yeah, um, it's about 930 here. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, and his chief Wahoo right there behind him. You did move, <laughs> so it's not quite like you're one in the same. Uh, and uh, Sharon McNamara and Mary Baker of Boston Connect Real Estate. We're talking about the crazy real estate market right now. Lots of things to discuss. We're just taking a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. When I hosted the most recent Smart With Money Fair for the Marshfield High School seniors, we went through an exercise comparing investing an amount of money over 40 years versus investing that same total amount of money over 20 years. The end result for the person who saved longer was more than twice the amount of the other person's. This is a hypothetical exercise, of course, but the point remains, save early and save often. If I can help you save early and often, visit our website at McNamaraFinancial.com. You own a business, or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality, and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits. For instance, do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up 
is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. This is Kirk Reed from McNamara Financial. I often get asked, when should I start collecting Social Security? It's not always a quick question to answer, but an important one. If you'd like to have a conversation about your situation, give me a call at 781-834-2010 or check out McNamaraFinancial.com. Good morning. We are live in studio today. Feel free to call with your questions, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900, or you can send a text to 781-775-0116. Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak to on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. We just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer the caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed and past performance does not guarantee future results. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Joined this morning by... Oh, my goodness. You guys taking a selfie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we're doing Instagram. Oh, my goodness. They're you. so social Take media. Take a picture of them. So okay. social media savvy. Uh, that's um, Sharon McNamara and Mary Baker of Boston Connect Real Estate. Uh, routine guests. Although Mary doesn't generally join us, so that I'm, I'm happy you're this here this morning. This is my first time on McNamara on Money. Oh, I said that to Sharon earlier. I was like, I'm... I'm really official. Is it? I yeah. Heels to the studio. Did you? <laughs> I bet you wear heels a lot. But uh, not as much no. anymore. I I used to think I was. We have no hot, reason to get dressed, hot, really. You know, like hot stuff. But now, <laughs> now she's thirty-one now. Now I'm thirty-one. Uh, I, I dress like a mom, even though I'm not a mom. Uh, well, <laughs> welcome. I I just assumed you'd been on the show before. I know I've maybe just because mm-hmm. I'm been on your show, and so we've yeah. chatted in that regard. Yeah. Um, all right, but we've been talking about um, real estate this morning, um, and right before the break, we started talking about you know th- those, for example, first-time home buyers who are um, you know very sensitive to in, in would be very sensitive to increases in interest rates in terms of affordability of home, and you know for me, like I was just mentioning, the thought of them you know, not necessarily just overpaying, but the thought of them stretching themselves Mm -hmm. to get into a home because they have to stretch themselves in this, you know, seller's market. Um, It just just makes me really nervous because then, you know, does that mean that they're going to be you know, sacrificing savings in other areas. Does that make? Does that mean they're going to spend all their cash and not leave themselves in emergency reserves? Does that mean they have to lower or eliminate retirement contributions for a period of time? Um, you know, does that mean that they can't? Um, you know, you mentioned all these first-time home buyers walking through the, the open houses with their little babies in the in the little carriers, and mm-hmm. um, you know, does that mean they wouldn't be able to? to start saving for the little ones if, you know, if college savings is important to them. So that stuff makes me nervous. And I think, you know, you're, what you mentioned earlier, Sharon, about, you know, kind of what you say to those buyers is, well, if you can afford 400, you should be looking at homes in the 350 range because you're going to have to overbid anyway and you'll end up at 400, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's good advice it, it, because if you can afford 400, you probably shouldn't be going to 425 or 450 or, you know, or, or more than that. So... I, I think uh-huh. that that's good advice. What you what you mentioned, you yeah, and advice. I do think too, like you know, uh, the quality of life. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And you know, so for some people who are literally stretching themselves so thin, you know, we've seen this happen with 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 past clients. It's you know, they're building a beautiful home, everything is great, they're putting in you know the high end everything, 
And then once you're in it and that excitement of having that new, bigger, better house is sort of faded, then real life comes on. It's like, oh, all right, well, now we can't afford to go to Disney or we can't afford to go to Six Flags or we can't afford to, we we can't go bowling tonight or, you know, all of those things that we could do pre-COVID. And who wants to live like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I just think, and again, I felt the same exact way in 2004 and 2005 when, you know, the it, the market was so busy. And I just don't want to see happen to people because, and here's the other thing too. Let's just talk about the facts. People get <laughs> divorced, you know, there's mm. disability, there's, you know, loss of job. There's so many things when you're just pushing your, 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 your financial well-being that that far, yeah. it makes me nervous too, Alyssa. Yeah, yeah. Kirk, do you want to share with Sharon those stats on our Norwell house? And she was, oh. since she oh, asked about that. On the break. That's awesome. She was asking about that. Yeah, Kirk sent me a text earlier. All right. So yeah, so we bought it in 2006 for 378. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sold it in 2012, so six year hold uh, for 365. And mm-hmm. okay. Oh, and, and and Zillow today says it's worth five fifteen. Mm-hmm. Look at that. So even if even if that went for fifty thousand, let's say Zillow is roughly accurate. Okay, does that sound mm-hmm. right? Like a small little ranch in yeah. Norwell mm-hmm. in a little neighborhood for five fifteen. Um, yep. Tiny little cute cutesy patootsy little house on a cute little plot of land. It was adorable. It was so adorable. <laughs> um, I just loved it. A little mm-hmm. farmer's porch. Um, <laughs> little hanging flower baskets, which always died because I can't keep anything alive. Uh, that's not my child. Except for your children. Dog. Except <laughs> my children and my dogs. Um, even if it sold for $50,000 over act, asking, 565000 14 years, that's only a 2.9% rate of growth on that house. But 2006 was like the height of the mm-hmm. last real estate boom, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Or, well, 2005, 2000, was really, 2005 that's right. It started to go down. That's right. It's, that's when yeah, it started to go down. And then 2010, 11 was the bottom. Right. So if... You know, Listen, yeah, we we would never sell during the height. No, no, that's not our style. <laughs> We'd like adventure. We could try again the next time. We'll try again. Yeah, um, but if, but if some people, you know, some people think this is a bubble. If the bubble bursts, right? So if here we are at 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 the height of the next real estate boom. Mm-hmm. On the, you know that's a small you know modest property that's not your you know three thousand square foot colonial of course but but mm-hmm. that you know that's only a three percent per year rate of growth on that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm always doing the calculations about rate of return. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and we could, we've had whole shows on this, of course, real estate as an investment and comparing it and stuff like that. And, and I, I, I just, sometimes I, I just don't know that real estate really, really long-term like appreciates the way that people think that it mm-hmm. will or assume mm-hmm. that it will, especially if you factor in the money that you have, that you have to put into the home to maintain it. Mm-hmm. You know, people, you know, and that, that I mean, that's inflation right there. Yeah. That, that's your mm-hmm. home keeping up with inflation. And like I said, maybe, you know, maybe that's not a great example at being like a modest property, but that's in a really nice town. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's, so, a really, it's a really nice house. And it, it really is a nice house. Yeah. I mean, if that went on the market today, it would probably go over the 515. Right. 1, yeah. yeah. And, so, and that's, you know, Kirk looking at Zillow. Um, so there's been a lot of controversy within, within the real estate market with Zillow um, these days. So just so you guys know how that works. they So as real estate agents, we pay into MLS, which is the multiple listing service. So uh-huh. every single agent has to pay, I think it's like $87 a quarter right. yeah. to be part of that. And then they sell the feed over to Zillow. Well, then Zillow calls us as agents and says, hey, would you like to buy a zip code? Mm -hmm. And then we have to spend thousands of dollars a month just to get those clients to come to us for our own listings. Well, Uh, Zillow recently changed some things around and they uh, they came to me and said, so we'd like you to be part of the program. Uh, We're going to be very particular and uh, it will be $10,000 a month. I'm like, I'm all set. Oh my, to get your picture like on the Zillow website as an agent. Is that that what you mean by Mm -hmm. buy a zip code? $10,000 a month. 
That's yeah. a minimum. That's a minimum. And then they're changing it over. So my prediction is, is that Zillow is really starting to form themselves to be their own brokerages. Okay. So they're taking yeah. these small yeah. teams and small brokerages now, and they're grooming them because then the next step after you've proven yourself to them for the $10,000 a month, then you're in a program where you don't pay anymore but you give them for every every transaction you sell that they gave you the lead, mm-hmm. you have to give them a uh, 30, referral. 30 to 50%. 30 oh, to 50%. That's a healthy referral fee. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty healthy. Can you, can seems you imagine? Like, seems like you could do a lot with in the way of marketing for those dollars. Oh, right? 100%. Right? And yeah. As a listing agent, it doesn't even really matter if these other agents are buying those leads and yeah. they're getting leads to our clients. That's fine. It doesn't matter to me who sells it so long as somebody sells it. Yeah. It's not costing me anything. I'm not paying $10,000 a month to have my listing listed there. But hmm. what we're seeing though is, you know, Zillow has all these great ideas. And we, I just came across this the other day where somebody had said they were considering putting their house on the market themselves. So for sale by owner. And I just, you know, it, it just doesn't work mm-hmm. it, like it used to work. Oh, so okay. we we are in so many different places. And I know that everyone thinks, hey, I'm just going to put a sign out of my door and somebody's going to buy my house. Yep, that definitely does happen. But there are so many liabilities that sort of fall within that. Mm. But getting the most exposure is the best thing that you can possibly do. Because if there's a house on the market, I think last year we had a house that was on the market for like... I don't know, 400 and ended up selling for like 475. Yeah. You know what I mean? So would have you done that? And I used that analogy with somebody that I went to the other day and I said, let's just say your house was on the market for 400 and somebody knocked on your door and said, I'm going to give you 425 right now not to put this on the market and let me buy it. I said, would you take it? And he's like, yeah, of course, it's $25,000 over asking. I said, well, we had that scenario last year and we got $75,000 over asking. Mm. So you're you're losing money. It's 100% you get more money when you're you have the most exposure. Yeah, we could do yeah. a whole show show on for sale by owners and why not to do that. <laughs> Statistically, you actually you actually make more money when you list your house with an agent than you do if you do a for sale by owner despite Even. any despite any concerns over compensation. Yep. Even Would, um, okay. I have a question about um Yeah. So like if somebody, you know, because of, you know, the the home values where they are today and if somebody's thinking about, you know, perhaps selling just because, you know, psychologically they're like, man, yeah, I want to take advantage of this equity that I have at this present time. And, you know, let's say they're, you know, on the South Shore here and is there a, you know, on a relative basis, like if they were to, you know, move, say, from, you know, Marshfield to, you know, to go inland a little bit you know, into, you know, I don't know, Halifax or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Is there, are there towns around here that are, that are presenting more value, um, like, you know, relative to some of the surrounding towns? Like if you mm-hmm. say, hey, I want to sell this bigger house, I want to buy a smaller house, but because rates are so high, but are there some places they could look around here that are, you know, where the value is higher? So I guess that that's all relative to the person because if sure. somebody is selling a house in Marshfield then and they're buying in a town like Halifax, then prices tend to be less in Halifax anyways. Yeah. So, But what we're seeing, I'm actually doing a CMA on a house in Halifax. I went to one yesterday and the problem I'm going to have is this house is so beautiful. It's so well done that there isn't anything for me to compare it to. Mm. So in Halifax, Mm. so I'm going to be pushing the envelope and pushing the market on that one with my price point because I know it's worth it. And that's what we're seeing. So that trickle effect I was talking to you about earlier where, you know, we're seeing the buyers, the, the prices are increasing everywhere. So if people are getting pushed out of the, you know, the Marshfield market, then they're going to Pembroke and, and, and Duxbury going to Marshfield and everybody's sort of moving around and Pembroke people into Hanson and Halifax, you know, so the people are sort of mm-hmm. going that way Absolutely. and the prices are just increasing there as well. So the people in Halifax that were the demographic that was buying there can't afford that. They're maybe pushing out to Plimpton. Mm-hmm. So we're, it's everything is getting pushed more and more south. And then, oh, we could do a whole show on what's going on down the Cape because what is going on down the Cape? Well, because of COVID, they're selling their just their market is just as fast, yeah. uh, and because of COVID, a lot of people are doing that second home. 
So um, those are getting scooped up right away. Well, I, I wanted to get into second homes a little bit and like, you know, I don't know, things to think about or things to look out for because it, you know, I, as I mentioned to Sharon and uh, <laughs> Kirk's going to roll his eyes, but, you know, I have, you know, loves, love skiing. The girls and I have like really enjoyed skiing this year, of course, was looking at <laughs> real estate in Vermont recently. Terrible time to buy a ski condo. But, mm-hmm. but um you know, just brought up these, you know, questions about, you know, th- sort of things to think about. It seems like a lot of people are, are scooping up ski condos because they could spend the whole winter there, work from home, and it's mm-hmm. just like a whole other lifestyle. And, you know, same thing with down the Cape. You know, I'll scoop mm-hmm. up the Cape House now because I can work down the Cape all summer this summer, you know, work from home and, you know, and not have to commute. So, mm-hmm. so those markets seem to be even hotter. I mean, hotter. the the mm-hmm. real estate agent that you put me in touch with in Vermont was um, saying that, you know, he, I mentioned one condo that I thought was, you know, would have been perfect. I'm not going to buy a ski condo, but yeah. we just, I just, you know, I like to dream, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, he was saying that like, they're literally going in hours. Yeah, You hours. have to be and ready. Without people seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it's unbelievable. He's like, you have to have a pre-qualification or be a cash buyer. You have to, you know, make your offer like immediately when you see mm-hmm. something. It's just crazy. And is it can the you, same down you, the Cape? Can you, tell, can, you, can you tell Sharon about, about the details of that one real quick? Because I, I had a funny thought on that. The, about the details of? The most recent one I told you about that I was interested in initially. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so the, the, I'm now on like the email list for this realtor that, you know, does a lot of uh, business mm-hmm. up around, you know, in the mountains of Vermont. And first of all, it was just funny because I had sent him an email and was like, you know, this is what we would be looking for in the price range, which was, you know, very reasonable. And the yeah. and I'm just now on his general email list when things come on the market. The first yeah. one, which I didn't even tell Kirk about, the first one, the first email I got from him was like, oh, there's this new listing. And, you know, the first email I got from him, I didn't know if it was just to me. Of course it wasn't. Of course, it's just an email list right? He probably has, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of buyers, right? And the first one, I'm like, oh, all excited. I'm reading the description. I'm all excited. And I click on it. It was a $1.9 million post and Uh blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, (laughs) this is just an email list. But then the Mm -hmm. next one that came up um, a few days later was, did look like a very appropriate fit for us. And I'm, you know, immediately emailed him back, asked a couple questions, you know, email exchange really quickly. And then, and then he's like, he emails me back. He's like, FYI, just found out that there was a murder in this unit in the nineties. And uh-huh. yeah. And he's like, full disclosure, I just found out you should know. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Cause what buyer would ever, I don't yeah. know if he does a Google well, search generally, but- or has someone that does that. Mm, that. But I was just thinking, you know, in this market, people might be like, well, was it just one murder? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking. Still like, are the walls still staged? Are the walls still It was like 20-something years ago. Is there a filter for that on Realtor? That's a very good example, though, about the importance of having a buyer's agent. And when people come to us, we always suggest that, you know, hey, we're happy to be your buyer's agent if you're just out there floating around because a seller's agent can't tell you that. So he found out on his own accord about oh, that murder. A seller's, was able, a seller's agent can't tell you that? I would feel like they ask, should yeah. have to tell you that. That well, seems unless like... Unless you ask. And oh. how many people walk into a house at an open house and I, say, has I know. there been a murder here? Has there anyone ever been killed in this? Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. So does he... It, maybe he just did a Google search or he has some staff or something yeah. that, that was just... Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, did you hear about that? I, that, would, yeah. that would be exactly it. I would yeah. think that a seller's agent, I would think that a seller would have to disclose something like that. But here's, that's just me, an ignorant, you know, potential Mm -hmm. buyer. Oh my God, that's The theory behind it is that if you're disclosing that information, you're stigmatizing the property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're you're potentially stigmatizing the sellers and stigmatizing the property against a a slew of buyers that probably Mm -hmm. would discount it. And Massachusetts very much is caveat emptor, right? So buyer beware. beware. So buyer has to do their own due diligence, which is why you want somebody who is looking into Vermont, not Massachusetts. So I think the same rules apply though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, anyway. what's one murder in all reality? Oh my goodness, I was like, it. nope. <laughs> no, thank you. I can't be thinking yeah. about that the rest she of makes, my... She yeah. makes me wipe my shoes when I leave an antique and she's like, oh, what's one murder? It's oh my goodness, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
but that is what we're seeing and and it will sell there will be people who just don't care about that it's probably already contingent i mean i i just pop in you know to the real realtor app or whatever i just pop in just like for fun i don't know yeah Um, you had had an agent that helped you and said hey listen i think this would probably impact your decision there's probably a bunch of buyers Mm -hmm. who the person who has an under agreement right now might not even know they don't even know yeah they might not even have an idea they'll know when they move in and their next door neighbor tells them think think about this though i mean how often are you going up skiing and you know if you're doing that a lot are you staying in hotels or you're doing airbnbs like i don't know you know what the cost is i mean you don't need to have the, the comforts you know what i mean if you have a hotel room you have two queen size beds you know what i mean so like how big of a place do you really need or want up there how much time you spend right yeah is is the value going to be there right right yeah and that's mark and i talk about that i would love to have a place down the cape and i just picture you know when you know mary and sam get married when they come down with the kids and do a casey and Mackenzie and coming down with the kids and all of us just being at the cape yeah and mr mcnamara thinks about what about my boat (laughs) he's like if we have a cape house we won't spend any time on the boat we won't have a boat (laughs) so yeah why would we have or you'll have it so. docks down the Cape. That's what I would be thinking. You'll yeah, that's it. what I say yeah. to him. I was like, dream big, baby. We'll just have yeah. a, a dock at the end of our Yeah, our house. <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to meet with you at some point soon, too, anyways. I'll, I'm sure you'll tell us we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Don't assume. Some yeah. people assume. I, I just had a client yesterday saying, I thought you were going to say the exact opposite of what you said. Um, mm-hmm. But everyone's situation is different. You know, he thought I was going to say, you know, do this, do that, pay yourself first, you know, and his situation was such that, you know, he had some flexibility to do some of the things that he wanted versus like strict, 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 save, save, save. He happens to be a really good saver. But anyway, mm-hmm. I digress. But my point is, don't always assume. Well, um, can I bring up something about that from the financial point of view? And yeah. I know you want to talk real estate today, but I just have these memories of and now where I am in my life. I'm going to be 53, you know, next month. And I remember having that first consultation with your dad. He came to the house and Casey mm-hmm. and Mackenzie were babies. And he's like, well, in order to get them through college, you should be yeah. saving this amount of money. And I was like, holy moly, like I couldn't buy groceries this week until he put money, until he got paid, you know? Mm -hmm. I was home with the kids. And I'll never forget that. I went into the bathroom and just started crying. I was like, our kids are never going to college, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, we know that isn't true. So, but then like all along the way, I mean, we have sat with, you know, you and Kirk and your father and, you know, just the way that you've lined everything up, it's so interesting because Mark and I were talking last night and, you know, we've been helping Casey and Mackenzie through the years and especially last year while Casey was at BU, we paid, we're paying for her rent. And just that extra rent payment that I was making, that I was, it was like $1,600 a month. Like right now we looked at, I looked in the bank account the other day and I was like, I feel like maybe we're transferring too much money into the household savings, but like it's now caught up. So like you were right. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. I remember you giving me that advice. Like there's going to be a time when you're not putting money towards college and you're not doing things. So that's when we have to sort of reconvene. But like the time goes by fast. um, This is why she just said her girls aren't going to grow up. What are you doing here? I know. I know. Well, and you're fortunate enough that once now that your girls are through school, you don't have a bunch of debt related to them being in school. There are some people that take on debt for the benefit of getting their kids through the school. Um, And you know, some people can afford that and and some people arguably can't, but but some people get their kids through school and still for years are paying off the schooling because Mm -hmm. they took on on debt. So they don't get that freedom, you know, Mm -hmm. immediately, you know, financial freedom that that you're now getting. So anyway, the importance of planning, you, you know, that speaks to the importance of planning ahead, but also the importance of, only taking on what you really can afford. I mean, having said that, there are, there are clients that I work with that that I have actually said, yes, you can afford to take on some loans and pay them back after your kids get out of school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's of course depend. Everyone's situation situation is different. Um, yeah. But you, but you have that, you know, mm-hmm. relief a little bit earlier than other people who take on some debt for their yeah. kids. So yeah, and like yeah. living within our means, I think that yeah. that's one of the things we see when we're seeing people buying these bigger and bigger, bigger houses. Mm-hmm. And you know, it has to have the granite, it has to have the stainless, it has to have all these things. It's you know, people spending money they don't have on things they don't need to impress people they don't know. So. I feel like, you know, being married to one of the McNamara's, you know, Nana and Papa went through the depression and like, you know, it was all about, you know, saving and living within your means. And I'm sort of glad that um, you learned that lesson early on. Well, I, I, taught, uh, I taught, just, taught the lesson. Uh, 
through osmosis. <laughs> Mark's like, no, you can't have that. <laughs> so, well, well, we only have like six minutes left. We only have, have a few questions. minutes. Yeah. What else do we need to touch on, uh, ladies and gents? Um, um, look at your agenda. Here. One, one of one of your items um, in your agenda is talking about population growth. Yeah. Um, well, some, and go ahead. No, I was going. No, go ahead. I, was I just mean, say it yeah, is. that always like pops into my head because. Um, well, first of all, I read that book years ago about, um, was it a David Brown book? And they made it into a movie. And it was basically about this guy who thought population growth was such a terrible thing and was trying to like kill off a large part of the population. Mm. Well, it was like a Tom Hanks movie, like years ago. Okay. Anyway, mm -hmm. anyway, this is that for some reason. It's that a theme for a Marvel movie <laughs> that, now that too. Movie, so. <laughs> that movie sticks in my head. But population growth is no joke. I mean, e e even, a, you know, it, I, I went back and I looked at a little history. It seems to average in the United States in the last couple of decades. Um, half a percent to a percent per year, but that's a couple million people yeah. per year, and mm. and and that's you know that sometimes like especially now that we had COVID and you're you know in your bubble for like a long period of time, right? And now you know we had a couple uh, ski trips and you're driving through Boston and, and north of Boston and you're like, holy Post moly, down. like. Well, no, what I meant by what I was going to say is like all the new residential developments mm, that are just oh, yeah. popping up everywhere through the mm -hmm. city, North Shore, South Shore, everywhere. And it just constantly amazes me that there's so much demand. But it, you have to remember, it comes back to population growth, also immigration, right? Mm -hmm. And people coming from other countries. And that's not, fa you know, actually, I don't think, no, that's not, I don't actually, I don't think that's factored into the population growth data I was looking at. Um, but it makes, but it makes sense to me. And actually, to my point earlier, where I was talking about, you know, we kind of, we obviously want the prices of real estate to increase over time. Population growth is helping that mm -hmm. because it's, it's constantly more demand. And it's like, sometimes it's kind of mind boggling for me to think about that. Um, but in, in terms of like, you know, sort of making sense of those vast numbers, right? It's, mm -hmm, you know, cause mm -hmm. we live in one small little area of the country, but um I don't know. That's that's the type of stuff that just like really amazes me. And and in in some regards, thank goodness for that. Because what if we had, what is it? I don't even know if what's the word for like population population decrease. I was going to call it like depopulation. I don't actually know if that's a word. But I think, yeah, it's, I think but, it's called communism, right? Well, Isn't like it? like in like one they imposed those regulations in China all those years ago, right? Yeah. You'd only have mm -hmm. one child, and because they were trying to control the population. Think about the impact of that on, on real estate on real yeah. estate. I mean, mm -hmm. that's like scary stuff if, if there was something like that in terms of, you know, the, the amount of money that people have tied up in real estate in this country. Likely very different in China, I'm guessing, yeah. and in terms of the amount of money people have tied up in their homes um, in China, at least the large percentage of the population. But mm -hmm. super, I don't know, that, that I just that's just like super interesting stuff for me to think about. What's your take on that, Mary? Did you have a comment about that? Well, it was I, I. It was the first thing that stuck out to me about your um, about your agenda here, and I was thinking about it. That's why I don't think so. Yes, we're in a low inventory market, and we we've steadily been increasing in that market, like just going, it's been getting lower and lower and the demand is getting more and more and more, but it's because of population increases or growth. Like, so I don't feel like it's going to go anywhere. I think yeah. what we'll start to yeah. see is more renters um, or more people who wanted to be homeowners choosing to rent longer. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we'll, we'll be in this seller's market for a long time. I just don't, I, I can't see a scenario and where it goes anywhere. Mm -hmm. And and that's one of the contributing factors. Yeah, and and I mean I I agree and I and I I think that that's healthy. I think that that's like the way that it should be. I mean, I think the government wants real estate prices to not fall significantly, right? They they because people have so much wealth tied up in that. And 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 you know, falling real estate markets have disastrous um, effects on the it economy. Mm -hmm. Um and and then the financial markets like look what happened about a decade ago. So, um so yeah, I agree with you, Mary. I, you know, I think this is probably hotter than it normally will be going forward, but I think that mm -hmm. that's like, this is like maybe sort of a norm. Uh, yeah, some yeah. version of this, I feel like, could potentially be sort of the norm. Of course, we'll be sitting yeah. down a year from now, and maybe it'll but be totally different. <laughs> I will never. Next, next I never. We have to talk about multi generational living because we're seeing a lot of that. Yes, too. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Well, That'd we awesome. have to go. I have yep. the music is playing. Um, thank you so much, uh, Sharon McNamara and Mary Baker of Boston Connect Real Estate. You can find them at 
bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Hopefully that was the right number. Yes. I pulled it right off your website. <laughs> You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I was joined this morning also by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. We got to go. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, Thank everybody. You. Thanks, ladies. Bye.